Good morning, Green Tree family, uh, wherever you may be located today. Uh, my name is Tom Ricks. I'm one of the pastors here at Green Tree, uh, and it's good uh, to be with you. Again, even though it's only virtual, it's, it's great to be able to be together. So wherever you are worshiping this morning uh, with a big family or just one-on-one, you and me, uh, we're glad to have you, whether you're back here in St. Louis or whether you're scattered uh, somewhere else. Our, our Green Tree family Virtual family has grown a little bit. We have people from uh, different parts of the country who tune in. Uh, And so it's good to be together this morning. We're in a summer sermon series uh, asking the question, won't you be my neighbor? A little bit of a takeoff from Mr. Rogers, but we're we're really looking at what does it mean uh, to be a godly neighbor? Uh, We uh, have said throughout the series, you know, we're always interested in having good neighbors around us, but what does it actually mean for us to look inward and consider Uh, what it means for us to be a godly neighbor. So let me invite you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to be looking in a couple of minutes at Matthew 22 verses 34 through 40. And we're actually going to be re-examining the the introduction to last week's sermon, the the question that was posed to Jesus uh, about what's the most important commandment. Uh, We're not going to go back and look at the, the story of the Good Samaritan. We're just going to look at that question. We're going to we're going to kind of pick that apart in the context of how do we teach our children to be godly neighbors? Now, immediately, some of you who maybe uh, don't have children might say, well, this, you know, this isn't for me, but I would beg to differ. Uh, all, God's word is for all of us, and we all have some type of interaction with folks that are younger than us. Uh, so grandparents may be teaching grandchildren. Uh, grandparents may be still teaching their adult children some things. I, I've learned things from my parents uh, all the way up until, you know, when they passed away. And so uh, wherever we find ourselves, there's a good chance uh, that we have interaction with children. At Green Tree, when we baptize our babies, we all stand up, kind of raise our right hand, so to speak, and make a vow that we'll do all we can to share the gospel with our children. So uh, the opportunities we'll have, hopefully again in the future, to gather back together. Uh, we all interact with children as they come and go here on Sunday morning. So I believe this is applicable to us all. But let's just think for a second about teaching our children. For generations, people, ever since there have been children, parents have taught children. You think about the, the thing, just this, the idea of teaching. We have some images for you here uh, on the screen of parents interacting uh, with children and them, you know, whether we're, we're learning, uh, you know, to use a computer, although that might be the children teaching the parents, but uh, there's always mom teaching kids, dad teaching kids, mom and dads. Uh, so this is nothing that's, that's new to us. And we, we teach all kinds of different things. Uh, we teach some of the things that we love uh, to our children. My dad taught me fishing uh, when I was a little boy. I've loved fishing ever since. And my dad loved fishing, and so he, he shared it with me. Uh, I remember uh, teaching all three of our kids to ride a bicycle uh, and how uh, exciting that was when they could take those first uh, few pedals on their Uh, on their own. And then just teaching our children to uh, enjoy creativity, to play board games, to to get along with one another. So so this is not something that is alien to us. But what I hear from a lot of of parents with whom I interact, uh, a lot of green tree parents, Cindy and I are in a a community group. We're the 
Uh, I'll speak for myself. I'm one of the older ones in the group. Uh, most of the other friends we have in this group have, have children that are much younger than ours. We talk a lot about how do we teach lessons of faith. And we seem to know how to teach somebody to ride a bike. We seem to know how to teach someone to fall in love with something that we really love as a parent. But I hear time and time again, not just from folks in, in our community group, but from just folks at Green Tree in general, it's tough sometimes to really know how to impart faith lessons to our children. So we want to explore that this morning. Not going to have every answer for it, but hopefully uh, when we're done this morning, we'll have a better understanding uh, of what it means to teach our children the lesson or lessons, there's probably multiple lessons, of being godly neighbors. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, hear the word of God. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus answers, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray for a moment as we enter into a time of worshiping God with our intellect, with our mind, with our reasoning and understanding. I'm going to just be quiet for a couple seconds and allow you, wherever you are right now, just ask God to speak to you and teach you, and then I'll, I'll pray for us corporately. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning asking that you would impart your wisdom into our hearts, not just that we would store it up, but that we would share it with others. And in particular this morning, in particular this morning, Lord, that you would help us understand how to teach these things to our children. Father, um, we have been called to pass on to the next generation the things of the Lord. And we, we want to do that. Father, I, I don't meet a lot of parents that don't want their children to know uh, the Lord, uh, but I meet lots and lots of parents and have lots and lots of friends. Uh, Cindy and I struggle with it when we were younger. What does it mean to really teach our children effectively uh, about a relationship with Jesus and about God's word and his love and his mercy and his grace? So Lord, as we, uh, as we look at that this morning, we pray that you would give us your insights, uh, your understanding, uh, the truth which comes alone from you, and that we would apply it to our lives. Uh, Father, this is probably a process for many of us, uh, just learning to take one more step and teaching our children. And so we, we pray that you would give us grace for ourselves. We wouldn't be hard on ourselves, but also, Lord, that we would take seriously uh, our responsibility as a, as a congregation, as a spiritual family, to, to teach our children about the Lord Jesus. Uh, Father, please forgive uh, the sin in my life that may interrupt, may harm, may, uh, may stunt this teaching. Father, we want to hear, we must hear from you, your word. My words are not important, only your word. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would teach us, and we pray in your name. Amen. 
Uh, so our sermon in a uh, sentence this morning is, uh, what should we impart to our children about being godly neighbors? Uh, what should we impart? What should we pass along uh, to our children about being godly neighbors? I want to set the context for this. Uh, in verse 36, Jesus is asked a question, teacher, which is the great commandment? So this is like saying, I'll, I'll kind of put it in a modern uh, terminology, Jesus, what is the most important thing of all in my relationship with God? So this is, uh, in some senses, this is the question. Jesus, as you look at the law, what's, what's above all else? Uh, what is most important? I remember back in 1995, we were out of town and we had a high school student that was going over to our house and getting our mail and taking it inside, you know, kind of uh, making sure everything was okay. And he called us in a panic about three days after we had left, telling us that there was a leak in our house, uh, that, that there was water uh, coming out. And I was thinking there's a drip somewhere. There's something that maybe is overflowing just a little bit. And so I'm like, we'll put some towels down and see if you can see where the drip is. And his response was, no, you don't understand. Water is coming out of the front door of your house. So what had happened was a valve in the upstairs had, had broken and water had been flowing in our house while we were gone for two straight days. At that point, you ask yourself, what's the most important thing and how quickly can we get to it? And the most important thing was turn the water off. And he, he quickly did that and, and then we went from there. But until the water's turned off, the cleanup isn't gonna begin. So what's the most important thing as I think about God's speaking to me about my relationship with him? A lot of other things are gonna flow out of it, but this is the most important. And so if it's that important, how do we teach it to our children? I think there are three things uh, that we teach our children. First, that we love God. Secondly, that we love ourselves. And thirdly, that we love our neighbor in the same way. So this is pretty straightforward following the exact words of Jesus, but let's elaborate on that just a bit. Love God. Uh, and there are lots of reasons to love God. I'm going to restrict it to just three this morning. Uh, you could do a whole study on we love God because, uh, but I want to give you at least three this morning. First, we love God because he is our father. He's brought us into his family and he's giving us a place to belong. Jesus comes to establish a new family of God. And, and Peter says so in his letter to the folks he's writing to. He says, you, you're no longer Australians, strangers or aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints. And now look how intimate he makes us and members of the household of God, members of a household. We, I love talking about our church in terms of a spiritual family. And we are not a perfect spiritual family. And we, we've seen that a little bit lately. Uh, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that in our town hall meeting next week. But we're a family. And, 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 and we, we wrestle together and we love together and we serve together. But all of that is in common because God has called us his father. That God has brought us into his family and giving, given us a place to belong. So we love God because it's our father. But secondly, we love God because he did that at such a big cost, at such a great cost. Uh, we're reminded in Romans, but God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ, the son of God, did what? He died for us. That was the adoption price. 
There was no way for our sins to be forgiven. There was no way for you to be in right relationship with God, given all you've done in your life that has been offensive to God and hurtful to others. There's no way that I could, with all of my sin, make my relationship with God right until forgiveness could be offered. And God isn't going to ignore sin. He's not going to pretend like it hasn't happened. We, we like to do that. I like to do that. Kind of sweep it under the rug. Maybe, maybe the pile under the rug won't get too big. God is a perfect God. And in order for you to be called son or daughter, in order for me to be called son and my wife sinning to be called daughter, a price had to be paid. And so we love God because he shows his love for us in paying such a price. Jesus dying on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And also we love God because he's given us new life to have faith in him now and forever. This is not just a temporal thing. This is not just a, a quick fix that's eventually going to evaporate and stop working. This is not putting, you know, the righteous duct tape onto the broken pipe of sinfulness and eventually it's going to spring another leak. This is a once and for all fix. This is something that it's corrected for all of eternity and it starts in this life and it moves into the next. And that's why Paul, when he writes to the, the churches in Galatia, he says, because we've been adopted, because we're children now, what has God done? He sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That, that close, intimate term, that daddy term, that's the spirit of God working in our hearts. And we love him because of that. If you're, if you're thinking with me here, if you're, if you're kind of keeping an eye on me and what I'm doing, you notice that I just explained the Trinity of God in a very indirect way. We love God because of the Father, because of the Son, and because of the Spirit. So one of the reasons it's important to teach our children to be godly neighbors is because it starts with learning to understand our relationship with God on a deeper level. Because he gives us this new life, we have the opportunity to love him. So the first thing, if we're going to raise up children who are going to be good, godly neighbors, it will be in part because we teach them to love God. Well, how do we go about teaching them to love God? I'm glad you asked the question. I'm glad you're thinking with me this morning. I'm going to invite a couple of friends, Beth Moan and Ten Williamson. Uh, they happen to be brother and sister. Uh, they are adult brother and sister who are both uh, attending and, and members here at Green Tree Community Church. And we asked them earlier this week if they could help us. The reason we asked them is because they're fifth grade Sunday school teachers here. Uh, and so we've actually incorporated our children's sermon into the bigger sermon this week. And I'm going to invite them under each one of our three bullet points to come and share with us uh, their experience and what it means. And if so in this case, we're going to pause for a second. And uh, Beth and Ted, help us understand a little bit how you learned to love God. Good morning, Green Cheek Kids. I'm Miss Beth. And I'm Mr. Ted. And this past year, the two of us were fifth grade Sunday school teachers. So hello to all of our former fifth grade students. Mr. Ted and I are brother and sister, and we are so excited to talk to you this morning about what we learned growing up about being godly neighbors. So today, Pastor Tom is talking about what it means to be a godly neighbor, and the first step to being a godly neighbor is learning to love God. And we were very lucky to grow up in a home with two parents who really loved God, and they really taught us and our younger brother Steve uh, how to love God very well. 
They really did. Our parents loved talking about God so much and loved being with the people of God that we were at church all the time. We got there so early that we were often there before the pastor. I remember that. We were there so early. The church we went to growing up, kind of like used to be the case for Green Tree, didn't have its own building and met in a school. So we would get there early, my brother and dad and I, to help set up all the chairs for uh, church. And I remember that you would help mom get ready for Sunday school. I did. And I'd also help her teach Sunday school. And we grumbled about it, about being there so early and about staying so late. But now I am so grateful that we have parents that taught us to love God by being a part of a church. And another way our parents taught us to love God was by letting us watch them tell others about God. And I remember growing up going to church, going to youth group, going to VBS. Mm -hmm. Our car would always be full of kids because my mom would invite every kid on the block to come. So much so that our friend Jeff, who was between you and Stephen age, mm -hmm. came with us so often that by the time he got to middle school, he'd become a Christian. Yes, and his mom Betsy then did too because of that. You know, because our mom and dad taught us to love God, I'm able to teach my, my daughters, Abigail and Journey, about God. In our home, my husband Tom and I talk about God all the time too. And we bring our daughters to church too. And our daughters, Abigail and Journey, help me in Sunday school now, and Journey helps her dad on the worship team. And both of our girls are baptized and have asked Jesus in their heart. And my wife, Julie, and I are committed to telling our daughter, Mia, about God. Here's my lovely wife, Julie, and our little daughter, Mia, who's only three months old. Uh, but already, Julie is telling her a Bible, reading a Bible story to her every day. And we're committed to telling her everything we can about Jesus. What we're really looking forward to is whenever it is that we can come back to church, when Mia gets to be baptized. Hopefully she won't be five years old by the time that happens. But uh, and we're very hopeful that someday she will ask Jesus into her heart as well. Beth and Ted, thank you. Way to go. Great start for us. We love God. We teach our children to love God in, in a great ways, taking them to church and helping them pitch, let them help uh, pitch in and, and serve as they grow up. Uh, reading, I love the reading Bible stories, even, even to a three-month-old. My mom read us Bible stories all the time. It was so helpful for us growing up. Secondly, uh, Jesus calls us to love ourselves. Let's remember this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there's a, there's a couple of folks there uh, giving themselves self-hugs. Uh, but when you think about it, we, we take care of ourselves. We, we eat good meals, hopefully. Uh, we exercise, we sleep, uh, we have fun with our friends. Uh, we, we, uh, there are a variety of activities in which we involve ourselves, even as, as children, uh, because uh, we might not even realize it, it's because we love ourselves. And that is how we should look at our lives. It's so sad when, when someone despairs of their life, when they see themselves as unlovable, when they, when they feel that they don't have a place to belong, uh, and, they, and they, they feel that they can't be part of a larger family for whatever reason. Because Jesus says it's healthy, it's good, it's right. Uh, that we love ourselves. And as we love ourselves in a healthy way, what happens then is that it, it reminds us that Jesus then says, you're going to love others as you love yourself. So if I don't have a good foundation for loving myself, it's going to be very difficult for me to love others in the way that God has called me. So moms and dads, as we think about this, 
we need to be thinking in terms of how do we help our children understand how much they are loved by God? How do we help our children understand how much we love them simply because they belong to us? Not, I'm going to love you if you accomplish something, or I'll love you when you, you know, you start doing things the right way, but I love you because you're mine. And I want you to have a healthy, not, not, you know, everything in the world revolves around me and I'm always the center of attention. And I get everything I want all the time. We're not talking about selfishness. We're not talking about self-absorption. Absorption. We're talking about loving ourselves in a healthy and a good way. And as we do that, we can then, and we'll see in just a minute, then we can move to loving uh, our neighbors in that same way. But again, in this second point, uh, I'm asking, uh, asking Miss Beth and Mr. Ted if they would please help us understand a little bit more about what it looks like to have a good, godly self-love. So, Beth and Ted, take it away. Hi again. My brother Ted and I are here in my dining room to talk about the second part of loving God, and that's learning to love yourself and doing the things you enjoy. So our parents really, really, really loved people. So of course, what was the number one thing that they enjoyed? Having people over. That's right. Our parents were really friendly and they often invited over people that really needed a friend. Our parents loved to share the things they loved. So one of the things that they really loved to do was have people over for a game night. So this was our family favorite game when we were growing up. It's called Horse Trader. You can see from the box that it's a very old game. <laughs> they don't even sell it in the store anymore. I think the only way you can get a copy of it is on eBay. But man, I remember a lot of fun nights playing that game with friends and relatives and people from church. Yes, we had a lot of fun playing horse trainer, and that's a tradition I've passed down to my family now. My daughters, Journey and Abigail, and my husband, Tom, they love to play it too. And my girls love to have people over to play their friends over just like we did. Now, however, I do remember teaching them how to play, but I don't remember teaching them how to beat me so quickly. <laughs> Now you might be wondering if Miss Beth's two daughters really love playing Horse Trader so much, what does my daughter think of it? Well, Mia here is still trying to master some of the nuances and subtleties of the game. The main strategic aspect she's working on right now is learning how to not try to eat the pieces. But I'm pretty sure as she gets older, she's really going to love having people over to play Horse Trader as well. So I've never played Horse Trader, uh, although I'm old enough to have gotten the game, that's for sure. It looked like Tom, it looked like you were winning. Uh, Beth Sussman was sitting over there. It looked like it, if putting the puzzle together first means you win, looks, looks like you were, you were holding court there a little bit. But the point here is that as we spend time with our children, as we love them, as, as we read them Bible stories and teach them to love God, as we play with them, as we help them with homework, all, all those kinds of things say you are worth loving and what that grows within our children, I believe, is a sense of self-worth, is a sense of, I am loved, I should love myself. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is after here. First, you love God. And secondly, which we're now going to talk about in a second, you love your neighbor. How? In the same way you love yourself. If we don't teach our children to love themselves, then this, this third point we're going to talk about is going to be uh, very, uh, very difficult for us. But Jesus says in verse 39, the second one's just as important as the first, or it's an outgrowth of the first. You love your neighbor as yourself. What I think Jesus is getting at here is that everyone needs friendship. 
Everyone needs unconditional love. What I need to, what I need to do when I'm thinking about this in, in the sense of, of putting myself in their shoes, what is their life like? Uh, what kind of, of, of expressions can, of love can I give that would really be meaningful to them? And I'm going to actually give you a, a verse out of uh, 2 Corinthians this morning. In chapter 1, the Apostle Paul who's like the rock star of the Christian church, the guy you would think needs no help from anybody. He never gets down. He never gets discouraged. He always loved God perfectly. He's always starting a new church somewhere. Surely he was like the self-sufficient person. And Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians who are dear friends of his. He, he founded the church. We're actually going to be looking at 1 Corinthians this fall in our sermon series. Uh, and so you're going to learn more about the Corinthian church uh, we're all going to learn more about the Corinthian church, hopefully this fall. But Paul is pouring his heart out to his friends. And he's saying this, we don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the afflictions we suffered in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Now, I, I don't want to run too far down this road, but despairing of life itself if I said that to a loved one today, they, they would maybe call a hotline and try to get some psychological and spiritual help for me quickly. Because what I'm saying there is I think I just want to give up. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the person that Jesus met face to face on the road to Damascus. This is, this is the, the foremost church planter in the history of church planting and sharing the gospel with others. And he said, I'm ready to give up. He needed some love. He needed some people to come alongside him. So unless I'm willing to look at others and take the time to kind of put myself in their place, it's going to be hard for me to know how to love them. So we need to teach our children to look at others. And I've been talking recently about self-curiosity. I want to talk about self-curiosity can lead to being curious about other people. And if I'm in a situation where I go, you know, I'm feeling pretty sad right now about this, or I'm feeling fearful about this, and, and that helps me kind of manage, you know, my way through a certain situation, it shouldn't be too long before I'm maybe in a similar situation. And I say, so-and-so looks a little sad right now, or so-and-so seems to be a little afraid right now. Maybe I could, I could love them and I could help them. So realizing that everyone needs it. Also, realizing that because God loves me in this way, God loves me with that unconditional love. God loves me with that friendship type of love the more time I spend with him, the more of that love I'll experience, the more I'll have to share with others. So John, uh, who is also a kind of a, 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 a apostolic hero in the New Testament, uh, he was one of the, the good friends of Jesus, one of the apostles late in life. John's probably in his 80s when he writes this letter. And in First John, he says this, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. I says, no, none of us yet have seen, nobody's seen God yet, but if we love one another, God abides in his, us and his love is perfected in us. That means his love has this perfecting attitude uh, and ability to help us love God better and love others better simply by his presence. So if that's true, then I want to hang out with God all the time. I want to be with God all the time and, and receiving that love, but also I know that that love then equips me to love others. And it will probably lead me to some time spent thinking about what my neighbors need or what are, what are some of their desires. What would be loving? What would be helpful? 
So perhaps, you know, in my neighborhood, there's maybe a single parent who's just overwhelmed. And, and they just, you know, if I said, hey, could, could I bring you, you know, a dinner tomorrow night, even if I just, you know, run to Schnucks or McDonald's or something to pick it up so that you don't have to come home from a crazy day and then on top of that have to cook dinner. Could I do that for you? That would probably be an amazing gift to a neighbor. Maybe there's a neighbor on your street that's a little bit older and maybe their children don't live close to them. Maybe, maybe they don't have children. And maybe they're living in a lonely existence at this stage in their life. Maybe just saying, you know what, every Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock, we're going to drop by for half an hour and say hello. We're just going to sit down, ask how we're doing, see if, you know, maybe there's a little yard cleanup we could do for them or whatever. It doesn't have to be labor intensive, but we know that that neighbor, it seems, really needs that kind of love. You might also say, you know, I, I have a, I'm really good at math. I would never say that. But you might, I'm really good at math, and I have some friends at school who aren't very good at math. Maybe I could just help them. Maybe I could just volunteer before the test, not during the test, and help them uh, learn math a little bit better. The more I get close to God and realize how much he's loved me, the more I'm probably going to be in tune to ask that kind of question of myself. If I put myself in their shoes, if I was an older person and I didn't have anybody around, I would love it if somebody took time to come and sit and talk with me. If I were a single parent that was, you know, just burning the candle at both ends and somebody said, I can give you a break, you know, even just for a dinner, just for an hour, that would seem like the greatest gift ever given. If, and I was the student struggling with math and I, I wish there would have been somebody to come along and said, let me help you. I would have loved somebody to do that. So if I would love somebody to help me in this way, it seems that I should want to do that to others. And that's what we want to teach our children. So here's the third part of the story. So uh, we're going to ask Miss Beth and Mr. Ted to come back and talk to us a little bit more about what it means for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Hi, it's Mr. Ted and Miss Beth again, and we are here on Pleasant Terrace in Kirkwood. And this right here is the house where Miss Beth and I grew up in, along with our mom and dad and our other brother Steve. So the reason we're here back at Plaza Terrace today is we wanted to talk about the third part of being a good neighbor, which is learning to love others well. And one thing uh, that our parents really did when we were growing up is teach us to uh, really get to know our neighbors and to meet them where they are. For example, across the street at this house lived a lady named Mrs. Werner. And Mrs. Werner's husband had passed away and that can get really lonely. So our mom would take us over and visit her. And after a while, and sometimes she'd make us dinner. And after a while, I'd go by myself to visit her. And when I went to college, she and I became pen pals for a while. And I remember sometimes when it snowed in the winter, I would shovel her driveway for me. One time she made me dinner to thank me for doing it. Um, and actually that was the first time in my life that I ever had turkey bacon. Before that, I only had regular bacon. Yes. I didn't know there was such a thing as turkey bacon. I remember <laughs> she made that for me. I didn't know that, that's cute. <laughs> and at this house over here, down the street, lived a family named the Votes. They had several kids and they were all younger than us. Sometimes we'd invite them over so their mom could get some things done. I remember you used to uh, play school with them. You made a, a school in our garage and they were your pupils. It turns out that came in handy because you became a teacher when you grew up. It sure did. A lot of good practice. Well, because of learning to be a godly neighbor from our parents, I've been trying to do that with my kids as well, with Abigail and Journey. And we have a little boy that lives next door named Alex who has a lot of medical problems. So he can't do some of the things that other kids his age can do. And he has two older brothers that are a lot older, so they're not home a lot. So Alex gets lonely. So we invite him over for playtime at our house. And his very favorite thing to do is to make slime. 
So we make slime a lot. And last week, Journey baked a loaf of bread with him. And if you can keep the surprise with us, Alex's birthday is next week, and we're gonna make a cake for him. Sounds like a lot of fun. I can't wait to see the things we're gonna get to do with Mia when she grows up um, and, you know, starts to make friends in the neighborhood and how we can learn to love our neighbors. So thanks for being with us today as we talked about what it means to be a good neighbor and how our parents taught that to us and how we're trying to pass it along to our kids. And this afternoon, maybe give some thoughts about what you can do uh, in order to be a good neighbor to the people that you know. One thing I've learned is that being a godly neighbor sometimes is as simple as making slime or playing a board game, even virtually, with someone who needs a friend. Thanks and have a great week. Bye. Thanks, Mr. Ted and Miss Beth again. Uh, wonderful lessons for us. Uh, and thank you to a week ago when uh, Miss Lauren and uh, her two children taught us these verses. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. These are the things that we teach to our, our children. Uh, teaching them to ride a bike is so important. It's so much fun. Teaching our kids to, you know, please teach your kids to do, to do math okay, for, for, for my sake. Um, these things are all important, but teaching our children that we love God Fundamentally because he first loved us in Jesus and redeemed us and saved us and has given us new life. That we love ourselves in the proper way because we're children adopted into God's family. And that empowers us to love our neighbor as ourself. And, 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 we, and we've uh, heard from uh, Beth and Ted on just practical ways to practice that. And in practicing that, we teach it to our children. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word that the Lord Jesus uh, gave uh, to someone who was asking a question to test him, to see what kind of good answer he would give. And of course, he was the son of God. He is the son of God, and he gave the very best answer. Uh, and it reminds us how much we're loved by you. And it gives us good reason to love you in return. It gives us the best reason to love you in return. And Father, it also helps us understand a healthy way to love ourselves and how important that is to pass on to our children. Uh, because when those two things come together, then we look at the world differently. We, we see a need. We, we are willing to walk in somebody else's shoes. We're, we're willing to put ourselves in that spot and say, I can help. I, I think I know what that might feel like. And because I've spent time with God, my eyes are directed that way. My passions, my heart is directed toward loving others. So Father, I pray uh, in particular for our parents uh, but also, Lord, for all of us, for grandparents, for, for all of us, are gonna, we're going to come into contact with children in one way or another. Father, help us, help us, help us to pass on the importance and the truth of being godly neighbors. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.